This is Live Well Talk on Depression. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnionPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, major depressive disorders affect approximately uh, 17 million Americans or 7.1% of the population each year. Joining us today to discuss depression, treatment of the condition, and more is Dr. Jennifer Donovan, a board-certified family medicine and uh, psychiatric physician at the Abbey Mental Health Center. Dr. Donovan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so nice to see you again, too, by the way. We haven't seen you in a while. Um, how's the family? Pretty good. Very busy. Yes. Because triplets or twins? twins? I, I knew you had I knew you had a multi uh, uh, that. So how old are they now? Seven. And you've been here seven years. And seven we were years. just talking yep. prior to the podcast. Yep. Yeah. As a mental health advocate, I'm happy. I'm proud of our mental health services here at St. Luke's. I'm proud of the partnership with Abby going back five, six years, whenever that started, maybe, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm, I, I, I'm very proud of the campaign to make it okay, you know, to start mm-hmm. talking about this. Yeah. And I, I take it back to like, I remember when I first started, when I was a medical student, and I know you've had these patients too, this generation is kind of passed on, but there was a time it was like a social stigma to have cancer. Like you didn't talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, and every now and then you'd have a 90 year old female show up with a very advanced breast cancer in complete denial that she has it. And I just thought that was so weird, you know, but that was like this socially, it was like, well, something's wrong with you. You have cancer, you know, and so people kept it secret. Um, that's changed, of course. I mean, we have ribbons and all the that awareness. But for a long time and, and still there's there's. People look at people with mental illness to say there must be something wrong with you. Uh, well, or, or you must have made a bad choice or something. Right. And, yeah. I, and we know that's not true. But what what is depression? So depression is uh, it's kind of a series of illnesses. But the main one we talk about is major depressive disorder. Um, and so that's described as a two-week episode of low mood, low energy, poor concentration, um, Appetite typically is either lower or increased, um, difficulty with sleep um, or sleeping too much, um, low interest in things, not being motivated to do the things you normally would enjoy, not being able to feel joy, feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, excessive guilt, and sometimes even suicidal thoughts or thoughts about wanting to harm yourself, harm others, um, to the point where you want to act on those thoughts of harming yourself. The incidence of suicide is increasing. Correct. In the United States, we have the National Suicide Hotline. There's the new the new number is nine eight eight nine eight eight instead of nine one one nine one one. You would call for a fire rescue and nine eight eight for for suicide. that. Yep, and that puts you with our local crisis center here in Cedar Rapids, um, or if you're anywhere in the country, it kind of connects you with the local crisis service. Is that what center. it does? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Is the incidence of depression increasing or are we just doing a better job of saying it's okay let's talk about this let's get it treated what do, what do you think? i think a little bit of both i think during the pandemic we definitely saw rates of all mental health disorders increase um, especially depression people are more isolated people are facing stressors that they've never had to face before um, and and it's hard to know what to do in those situations especially now as we're coming to the next phase of the pandemic of Things are continuing to go on. We're still isolated from some people. Relationships have changed. We've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We have have more financial difficulties than we did in the past. All those psychosocial stressors add to our mental health, and sometimes that comes out as feeling more depressed. But 
some patients can just have depression. I mean, their life's yeah, you know, perfect. Uh, they have the best job and a good family, but yet they suffer from depression too, right? right. I mean, it's not just... It's not just life situations. Right. There's there's a genetic component and there's just... Sometimes we don't really know the answer as to why someone's depressed. Everything seems to be going great in their life, but they still have those symptoms of depression. And treatment for depression is... I know medications, of course, and I'll let you talk about that, but there's more to that. You can't just throw pills at it. Exactly. Exactly. So for a lot of people, depression is not a a pill problem or a a medication fix. For a lot of people, especially for mild depression symptoms, therapy can be just as effective. Um, For some people, it's kind of getting back in their normal routine, Um, kind of getting ruts sometimes. And so kind of getting back into the normal routine of getting up the same time of day, taking care of yourself, brushing your teeth, taking a shower every day, doing the things that are important to you, even if they don't seem to bring you joy anymore. Sometimes it's just getting back in those routines and then little by little, those things can help. Some people will need medications. If you're on medications for a while, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on medications forever. Um, Typically, people, once they get to remission, um, which can take anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months, sometimes longer for some people, um, then we typically keep people on medications for three to six months, sometimes 12 months after that. And then we can do a trial off medication. If we know what works for you, if you have your next episode of depression, we just put you back on that. And, 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 People shouldn't just stop and start their medications. It should be done under Correct. someone trained like yourself to, to yep. do that. Well, what about, you know, the ah, I can't I can't quote the study, but, you know, recently they said, well, serotonin has nothing to do with depression. But how come the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, Prozac, Paxil, et cetera? How come they work then? I mean, if it, I knew the answer to that, I think I would have a wing of the hospital named after me, probably. If uh, the Donovan wing, probably, yeah. If I if I knew the answer to that, but we we don't ex- exactly know the neurochemistry um, of of why things happen the way they do, but we know that certain medications work for some people. Some people are not responsive to those medications. There's a whole subclass of depression called treatment-resistant depression, and so sometimes we use other techniques um, or other modalities to treat depression um, with some new and different um, treatment modalities that are, are up and coming and um, some that have been here for the last 50 years. Um, but what, what what percentage of your practice uh, has chronic, I don't know if I, if I should use that term, correct me please, chronic depression or something that it, they've tried to come off and they just need to be on these medicines? You know what I mean? So I guess my patient population is maybe a little more skewed in psychiatry in that I tend to have patients that have more severe and persistent mental health conditions, Makes more sense. severe and persistent depression. Um, depression can go anywhere from primary care. Doctors can treat it. Sometimes maybe you don't even need to see a doctor. You see a therapist um, all the way to you're seeing a psychiatrist on a fairly regular basis. Um, so I'd say my population is probably more skewed to the more people that have more severe and persistent depression symptoms. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, and you said of the general population, what percentage have mild and they can get off their medicines, and it only happens once in a lifetime, so to speak. Um, I don't know the exact data on that or the numbers on that, but there's a there's a, a good chunk of people that will have one episode of depression during their lifetime. They may need medications at that time, and they won't need medications after that. Okay. There's another subset that'll maybe have two or three episodes, and 
they may be able to get off medications. If you've had more than one episode, you're more likely to have a second episode or a third episode. Um, And so for the more episodes you have, typically we'll keep people on medications longer in between episodes just to try to spread out how long it is between episodes and um, to try to decrease the intensity of the episodes when they come. What if if you lose uh, a loved one? spouse or particularly with COVID, you know, you mentioned that during the pandemic, certainly a very common uh, connection that all of us have. We've either lost our young patients or loved ones, right? Um, When when is it no longer just simply the grieving process and perhaps I should be seeing a psychiatrist or a mental health professional for it? Mm-hmm. So um, there's all kinds of things online about normal grief versus major depressive disorder. And I think when it gets more to that, I'm not feeling joy in anything. And this has been going on for two weeks straight and I can't feel any joy. Um, that's more depression. If it's to the point where you're having suicidal thoughts um, and that you think you might act on them, that's more depression. It really varies for, for people. But um, in general, bereavement's normal process. It's normal to feel sad when you lose one. It's normal to to not find joy in things for a few days or, or for a while. If it's ongoing and it's interfering with your ability to function in life um, and it's going on for at least two weeks, that's more of when it hits into the depression um, okay. episode. Not saying that all bereavement's going to be done in two weeks by means people continue to, to mourn their loved ones and mourn loss in other ways um, for the rest of their lives. But for that really intense, I can't get out of bed, I have no joy in life, I am sleeping all the time, I'm not doing my daily functions, I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not taking care of my daily duties, I haven't showered in however many weeks. Those are more depression symptoms. You know, we could talk for hours about it. it's so hard to be a kid these days. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is so hard. Social media, internet just society i mean it's it, it's so hard right know, the, yeah the i think back to the distractions i had you know i'm 53 so i grew up in the 70s right you know early 80s was kind of those you're 10 to 14 years old you know the part of your life where you go through changes you're not a little yeah. kid anymore you're not cute anymore but uh but you're not quite grown up yet it's, r- exactly. it's awkward it's an awkward phase you know and it's uh i had you know, I had one daughter that was in it for like six hours and the other one, it was like six years, you know, I mean, it's variable, right? Um, <laughs> fortunately, they don't listen to my podcast, so they won't, be they won't know who they're talking they, they about. They won't here. be trying to figure out, okay, which one's he talking about? Cause I have two of them, but, uh, but you know, it's just so hard. And that doesn't surprise me that more children, young people have depression because it, I get depressed just thinking about the stressors that they have in their life and, uh, how different it is. You know, it, it, I think there's a tendency as you get older to say, well, I had it harder than, you know, walked to school uphill both ways. Ten the, miles. Yeah, in the, in the snow. Five feet of know, snow. Exactly. Yeah. But I think now times have changed where I think as adults we get up and we, we kind of reflect back. We go, man, it's these kids have a lot of pressure. They have a lot of pressure. And we're also asking kids to do things that we weren't asked to do as, as teenagers. And right. they're growing up a lot faster. Yes, definitely. There's a... Um, as a parent, there's a really great book I read called Simplicity Parenting, I think is the, the title of it. And it talks about how many grown-up things we sometimes expose our children to um, or adolescents to that we sometimes are not protecting childhood as much as we could. Um, and so they they talk about some different techniques about um, not only decluttering someone's um, 
or decluttering your child's space. So kind of getting rid of a lot of uh, excess toys or excess things that are maybe cluttering things up, but also decluttering our schedule, making time for family, making time to do the things that are important and, and appreciating our family traditions and our cultural traditions or subcultural traditions. Um, and, and instead of um, running, 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 um, to actually have those times where we can sit down as a family, um, whatever your family looks like, um, and, and have important conversations, but also just play and be kids and not have to worry about you know everything it, all the it, time. It's funny it, that there's one thing that I have said on other podcasts and I've said to other colleagues. Early on in the pandemic, there was almost, it's hard to describe, and I'm going to use the term elation, but I, I don't mean, I mean, obviously we were all scared because we didn't know what. Right. Yeah. What to do. We were trying to make, we were literally building the airplane as we're flying it. Right. Yep. But there was this sense of kind of um, break from the usual routine, you know, like meetings got canceled and there was a sense of kind of not giddiness, not elation. I can't think of the right adjective, but I think you follow me on this. But it's almost like a relief of, I don't have to do these hundred tasks. There's right, right. There's and some, so, some of those things just automatically got so canceled. Part of me said, well, why are we doing that stuff in the first place if it was so gratifying not to do it? You know what right. I mean? And, and I, 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 I don't know if we've learned a lot from that, you know, and I, yeah, I don't know if we've learned a lot. And I think that puts a lot of stress on people. Uh, yeah, and I would agree Does that make that. sense? Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, you know, when you, <clears throat> I remember in, in the pandemic, we didn't know many of our neighbors. And then um, during the pandemic, we got to know all our neighbors. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's who our kids played with because nobody was going to school. And so it was like, okay, well, you're kind of in our bubble. And so we're going to meet our neighbors and their kids are going to be in our bubble, too, or the people down the street. And so it was... Um, it was kind of a, a sense of a different sense of community that developed yeah. through that. Um, and it wasn't maybe the, the greater Cedar Rapids or the greater community. It was, it was who's, who's in my little quarantine bubble. Yeah. Um, kind of old school, really. In a lot yeah. Of and really getting to know those people. Yeah. And I think that um, I think as humans, we are connected to um, each other. However, however much we want to say that we're not, or that we're, um, we can go it alone, and that's something that sometimes has been praised in our society. We really need each other for interconnection, and I think that really um, affects our mental health as well. And that on the flip side, as the pandemic continued to go on, as people were more and more isolated, that's where some of the depression, some of the anxiety really came out, is, is people didn't have those close connections with the people that were important to them in their lives. Um, you know, or they um, had to find different ways to have those connections, like... Uh, FaceTime and, and uh, all the the virtual things, but it's there's something different even about being able just to see someone that you love and um, get a hug and kind of realizing who are those people that are our circle, who are in our circle, who are in our bubble, and really trying to build those relationships. Yeah, I think it's uh, sometimes has a negative connotation, but it's not that we're, we uh, we are kind of tribal in the fact we do have this inner circle we connect with, and it has really nothing to do with you know, race or uh, socioeconomic. It's just you have these people that are in your inner circle and, you know, you, you feel connected to them. And Midwesterns are a lot like that too, yeah. you know. Um, 
they'll, you know, they'll say, well, do you know so-and-so Donovan from, uh, you know, Waterloo? Well, yeah, yeah, that's a second. Oh, now you're in the circle, see, because yeah. you knew that person. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, now I have a connection. That is a very, like, Midwestern it's cultural so, thing, for I, sure. I had a doctor one time complain to me that he said, I, Midwestern patients are so racist. I'm like, what is that? Well, they asked me if I know these other Indian doctors. I said, that's because they're trying to bring you in the circle. That's a compliment. When they ask you that, you know, they're yeah. saying, do you know Dr. So-and-so? Well, yeah, I do. Okay, you're in the circle now. Yeah. That's just how we are. Yeah, and it's like, it's, I can trust you. Yep. And it's, yeah. and if you're not from that culture, sometimes it's hard to understand right. the process. And it definitely can And, and he's like, I never across. looked at it that way. I always thought, you know, like it was, they're thinking we're all, you know, in some, no, no, they're just, they're trying to connect. People need to connect. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's important. And I, I think hopefully over time, as we get away from the pandemic, we'll see how that contributed to depression and anxiety yeah. and social situations so we talked about medications and we taught you mentioned and i know where you were going with this uh you mentioned other things like electroshock therapy yeah uh, how often is that used not very often um so that's been one of our treatments that we've had for decades um even before medications we we had um, ECT. Um, and it's still available and it's still effective. Um, yeah, I know we do them here at the hospital. Yep. We do them here in the hospital. There's, there's only a few places throughout the state that'll do those. Um, so that's, um, it's still, it's still a very effective treatment. Um, there are some side effects with it. And so we do kind of save it for people that have tried a lot of other options and those other options don't work. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more um, alternate options um, because for some people, medications don't work or the first medication doesn't work. And I, I would say there's um, with any medication, you know, it, sometimes you have to try a first medication or a second medication. We, we have different lines of medication. Sometimes it's a combination or a cocktail of medications that will help get somebody to, med to remission. Um, Interesting. And so we try what we can with, with medications. We try what we can with therapy. We try with behavioral modifications in our own lifestyle, um, trying to get exercise every day, trying to get more fruits and vegetables and better nutrition. Um, all those things affect our brain chemistry and um, help lighten our mood in different ways. I'm on an anti-aspartame kick right now where I just think that contributes to everything. So okay. full disclaimer yeah. <laughs> for, to the <laughs> listeners. But yet you wonder about small things like that. Do they right. have, you know, a kind of a butterfly effect on the rest of your health? Um, and I think we're going to, as research continues, we're going to see more and more different things come out as far as nutrition and how different nutrients may be affecting our our mood and our mental health, how um, different supplements may be affecting, how aspartame may be affecting. Right, right, um, right. I mean, and, and I think the research is still being done in those things. I think people kind of figure out if I eat certain ways, this makes me feel better. And some of that's comfort food. So um, it's not common that people gain weight when they get depressed and part of it is we we go for comfort foods and right those often are not the most healthy ones and i ate my yeah. scotcheroo yesterday because you know was having a rough day and i wanted my scotcheroo and that was my coping mechanism may not have been the help healthiest one but i i cannot let that go by without saying first of all scotcheroos are really good right second of all i just want to all the listeners know that you know like snickerdoodles are that's just a cinnamon sugar cookie. There's no Snicker bar with it. And I think that's misleading. So if somebody's ever tells you that it's just correct them, please. That's my pet peeve. Yeah. You know, Dr. Donald, a lot of times people, they say anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. it, 
do they always go together? They don't always go together, but they often run together. So depression often runs with other mental health conditions. Sometimes it might run with schizophrenia. Sometimes it might run with addiction. Sometimes it might run with um, other chronic medical conditions as well. Um, but depression and anxiety often run together. You can have anxiety without depression. You can have depression without anxiety, or you can have them both. Luckily, they have very similar treatments medication-wise um, and therapy-wise as well. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. But you do hear that a lot, you know. It's, right. And I, I think sometimes as healthcare uh, clinicians, we have the uh, we tend to throw them together. Well, and I think in the general public too. So we may we may be talking more about anxiety, or or we may be having symptoms of anxiety, but we maybe call it more depression, or or vice versa. Um, anxiety is more of that overwhelming worry and excessive worry. Um, it's normal to worry about some things. That's a, right. that's a natural yeah. human yeah, absolutely. process. But when it becomes excessive that you're not able to make decisions or you're not able to move forward in a process, um, that can be extremely debilitating. And I also think people confuse panic attacks with anxiety. Those are, to me, yeah. those are two different things. Yeah, Panic attacks are more that 20 minute of right. um, impending doom. Impending doom. Fear. Yeah. Yep. Um, 20, 20 minutes to an hour, whereas anxiety attacks can last a whole day sometimes um, and um, be be very debilitating. Well, what as far as resources, where can someone go to get, I mean, I know we have Google, but uh, Dr. Google, but uh, <laughs> where, where, what, what, what would you recommend someone that's concerned about uh, either depression for themselves or a loved one? What, where would you direct them? to go to get resources? So um, we're very fortunate in Lynn County um, and surrounding counties that we have um, a community mental health center here. So um, I work for the Abbey Center, so of course I'm going to say the Abbey Center. Um, but um, sometimes the first place to start is with your primary care doctor. Um, a lot of depression symptoms, especially the mild and moderate symptoms, can be treated by a primary care doctor without having to see a psychiatrist. If you have a therapist, um, there's multiple therapists throughout Unity Point, um, as well as at the Abbey Center um, that can um, get with you kind of um, talk through a rut. One thing we kind of talk about is um, uh, depression's more than just a, a neurochemical change. Sometimes we, we get in these thought patterns and um, we do them year after year. And sometimes those thought patterns really interfere with our ability to um, function at our highest potential. Um, and so while it may not necessarily be causing our depression, um, re kind of retraining our brain or kind of changing some of those thought patterns can really help um, prevent depression in the future. Um, and so um, therapy can be really helpful. Abbey Center has therapists. Unity Point has therapists. There's also a number of therapists um, throughout the community that are not affiliated with either hospital system. Um, sometimes even just reaching out to a friend or a religious leader, um, people that you know and trust um, and um, that, that you think can help help you move forward can be the first step. And if someone's reaching out to you and you're not sure what to do, have them see their primary care doctor. Have them do the walk-in clinic at the Abbey Center. We have walk-in hours every day. Um, there's also um, the Access Center here in Cedar Rapids, which is not the hospital, but it's it's a separate location um, over on E Street where people can come and stay for a number of hours to a number of days if they need some time to um, kind of sort through things and um, that's have, been a, a, huge have a safe place to be. Benefit, hasn't it? I yep. mean, it's, that's been very helpful to the yeah that patient population, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think the, the take-home message here is that it's okay to have mental illness. We talked about that at the beginning. Yeah. It's okay to ask for help. I think I think those are the important yeah. things. I've also learned today that my 
depression after Notre Dame loses a football game that lasts usually till Wednesday. You know, the game's on Saturday, yeah. three, four days. Doesn't is normal. Yeah, that can be normal. And if you so go for I'm a not... walk after the game, um, lowers your blood pressure, um, helps you feel a little bit better. That also can be helpful too. I need to. Okay, I'm going to have to try that. This, yeah. uh, hopefully, they'll be undefeated this fall. But if not, <laughs> I can uh, call call on you yeah. uh, for help. Dr. Knott, thanks for joining me. This is very informational. I enjoy getting caught up with you. We haven't talked in a while. Uh, our, this information about depression and the resources available, I think, uh, are a tremendous benefit. Uh, once again, this is Dr. Jen- Jennifer Donovan, a family medicine and board-certified uh, psychiatrist with Abbey Mental Health Center. If you're struggling with uh, mental illness, Abbey Health Center is here for you. Call their 24-7 emergency crisis services line at 319-398-3562. That is 319-398-3562. To learn more about Abbey Health, visit unionpoint.org backslash Abbey Health. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well. <laughs>